everyone. It's uh, truly a pleasure to be here once again uh, in the house of the Lord uh, among family, as has been stressed uh, this morning. Pray that 2018 will be a great year for this congregation, for Joy Christian Center. May God continue to minister to you during this time of transition, and may this next season in the life of your church be one of unity, be one of peace and growth and recommitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I'd like to encourage you with the words of Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26 from the New Living Translation. The Lord is good to those who depend on or hope in or wait for him. He is good to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I just want to encourage you with those words. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I believe that God has good things in store for you individually and corporately in 2018. If you believe it, then say amen. amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you are doing in our lives we surrender ourselves to your will, to your word, your wisdom, and your way of doing things. We ask for the grace to endure whatever this new year has in store for us. Help us to trust you fully and help us to experience your very best. We also ask you to smile on this church service today, minister to our hearts and our minds as the word is preached. We thank you for salvation, for peace, for healing, for encouragement, for illumination, instruction, correction, and whatever else you want to bring into our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's always a blessing for me to have family when I minister. Let's praise God for my beautiful wife, Dr. Malika Graves. Let's thank God for her. We're now celebrating seven months of marriage, <laughs> yeah. and uh, each day with her is a gift from the Lord, and I don't, uh... <laughs> God is good, <laughs> and my wife's Aunt Doris is also here this morning, let's praise God for her, she just um, celebrated a birthday yesterday. <laughs> so this morning I would like to share a few thoughts from the book of Philippians. So if you would, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And Paul writes, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not yet achieved perfection, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So the title of my message this morning is Pressing Toward the Goal. Pressing Toward the Goal. 
The Christian life is one of positive movement toward a wonderful and glorious future. We're pressing toward the goal. We're all pressing on to receive a heavenly prize. One day God will wipe away every painful tear from our eyes. The great enemies of humanity will be no more. No more sin, no more sickness, no more Satan, and no more death. Amen? Praise God for that. No more homelessness, no more crime, no more racism, no more injustice. No terrorism, no wars, no hurricanes, no floods, and no earthquakes. Amen. Amen, indeed. Our future is a bright one, indeed. The Lord Jesus Christ has secured for us a wonderful victory over every source of pain, fear, and anxiety. For this, he deserves our heartfelt gratitude. Amen? Let's give him praise for victory and his conquering of all the great enemies of humanity. One thing that excites me about our heavenly future is that God ultimately will bring us to a place of perfection, a place of completeness, a place of wholeness, a place where we will lack nothing spiritually or emotionally or physically or otherwise. Yet now, as we all realize on a daily basis, <laughs> we're far from perfect. <laughs> Amen? We still wrestle with many personal flaws and weaknesses and hang-ups. There's some areas of our lives that need to be corrected or improved or changed completely. God is working to bring us to a place of Christian maturity. He wants to produce love and humility and thanksgiving and other characteristics in us. In fact, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control. These are Christ-like characteristics that God wants to build in us. We are in a process of sanctification or a process of spiritual growth, a process of progressive transformation into the image of Christ. Consider the words of Romans 8.29 and 2 Corinthians 3.18. Romans 8.29 and 2 Corinthians 3.18. Romans 8.29 reads, For God knew his people in advance, or he foreknew us, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 reads, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So God is making us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's deepening our love so that our love is no longer self-centered, but other-centered, focused on other people. That's mature love. He's making us more holy. In fact, that's what 
the word sanctification means, to be made holy or making us holy. He's making us more compassionate. Compassion is love in action, isn't it? It's to feel what someone else feels, and it has a desire to reach out to help someone else. And not only uh, that, but if you have the power to do something about it, it extends that help to the other person. So it's not just an inward feeling, but a, 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 a call to action and, and something that motivates us to move for the benefit of others. But God is doing all of this in us. He's improving our character, making us more and more like his son on a daily basis. But as long as we are alive, there's further progress to be made. Amen? So because the Christian life is one of progressive growth and, and sanctification, Paul declares emphatically in our text, I have not yet achieved perfection, but I am pressing on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. These words from the Apostle Paul have inspired Christians for nearly 2,000 years. Paul describes his spiritual journey as a race for a heavenly prize. The prize is not awarded until the race has been completed. Like the Apostle Paul, we too are in a race for a heavenly prize. This race requires focus. The race requires forgetting the past. And the race requires forging ahead in the strength that the Lord provides. So those are the three points of my sermon. The race requires focus. The race requires forgetting the past. And the race requires forging ahead in the strength that the Lord provides. Focus, forgetting the past, and forging ahead in the strength that the Lord provides. So first, the race requires focus. Paul perceives of himself as a runner with one goal in mind. This one goal is to finish the race and to win the prize. Paul presses toward the goal. In other words, he pursues the goal with the intent of capturing it. Although the race will not be complete until the resurrection of the saints of God and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal reward is worth every focused effort that Paul puts forth in the present. Furthermore, unlike an Olympic race, of which there can only be one winner, the race for the heavenly prize will be won by all who pursue a relationship with God through Christ by the power of the Spirit. So we all are winners. Amen? We all can be winners if we are in Christ. So Christians then must not be lax or passive. We need to put our focus on the Lord and press on through the trials and hardships of life with our heavenly goal always in sight. That's what motivates us. Our heavenly goal is before us. So we know that victory is assured for us. Amen? So as Paul describes it, what we're going through now are just light 
afflictions. Amen? I'd like to say a brief word of encouragement to all the ministry leaders here. You may be an elder or an administrator or worship facilitator or Sunday school teacher or some other recognized ministry leader in the, at Joy Christian Center, or perhaps you don't have a formal church role, but you're greatly involved in supporting the community of believers and improving the lives of other people. Uh, that's you. To all of you, I want to say this. I truly admire and respect what you do to represent Christ and to meet the needs of those whom the Lord has entrusted to your care. Amen? I know it's a hard time for the church right now, but everybody's coming together as a family. And those of you who uh, are leaders, I, I really respect um, what you do for the kingdom. And God is aware of it as well, and he's going to meet you in special ways. It's an honor to serve in church leadership. I've done it for quite some time. But as you all know, Christian ministry at any level can be very stressful at times. Can I get a witness? <laughs> ministry leaders must comfort those who mourn. They must weep with those who weep. They must provide a listening ear to the hurting. As the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, ministry leaders are always spending themselves and being spent for others and often without much appreciation. Ministry is tough and can easily become an around-the-clock job in itself. So we certainly need to keep all of our ministry leaders in prayer. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And I encourage all the ministry leaders, surround yourself with intercessors. Surround yourself with those who are praying for you. You're often praying for others, but surround yourself with people that are going to keep you uplifted as well. Because we all have ups and downs in life, and we need one another. Amen? My encouragement to the ministry leaders is to keep your focus on what is important. Paul said, I focus on this one thing. Leaders need to focus more on the Lord of the work than they do the work of the Lord. Leaders need to focus more on the Lord of the work more than the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord, of course, is important, obviously. But the primary focus needs to be on the Lord of the work. Amen? Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That's been said this morning. We are his body. So whatever we do to serve the Lord must be done with his wisdom and in his strength. Amen? If we fail to keep our focus on the Lord, the pressures of ministry can distract us, and the worries of life can overwhelm us. Jesus calls everyone, especially ministry leaders, to rest in him. The Lord cares about you as an individual, not just about what you do for the church or what you do in ministry. So be sure to take care of yourself and your family members as you serve in ministry. Stay in the word and in prayer every day. Don't forsake your individual time with the Lord. It's easy for a preacher, and I'm talking about myself now, right? It's easy for me to put together Bible studies for other people and lessons for other people and then neglect my own, 
ministry time with the Lord, prayer time with the Lord. So I want to encourage you not to do that, not to forsake your time in the Word and in prayer. Get your rest and exercise. You'll be more productive if you are well rested, if you have the energy from exercise and eating properly and reducing stressful situations. Sometimes you've got to remove yourself out of a stressful situation. Sometimes you need to remove yourself from a stressful individual. <laughs> Whatever the source of stress, we may not always be able to do that, but by all means, if it is within your power to do so, <laughs> do so. But um, do that. Take care of yourself. Keep your focus on the Lord. I, um, you know, I always have to, it, it just each year, just kind of reassess um, where I am and, and what God is doing in my life. And I just find that the most important thing is to just spend time with him and to allow him to just work in me what he wants to work in me and through me. Um, it's not so much important for ministry leaders what you do, but who you are. And I want to encourage you um, to just be in Christ. Amen? Amen? The Lord wants us to lead healthy and balanced lives. And in, in that place, um, God can use you more effectively in ministry. Amen? You receive that? But since I'm on the topic of ministry, let me say this. Ministry is not only the job of pastors and church leaders, right? Whether you are ordained or licensed or commissioned by a church body or not, every Christian is a minister of the gospel, right? And you're really learning that in this season of your lives, aren't you? Every, Christ, every one of you has a role to play in God's kingdom, in the advance of his kingdom in the world. The definition of the word minister is one who serves. So a minister is one who serves. And all Christians are called to serve God and to serve those around us for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So we are all ministers in that sense. As the body of Christ, we represent the Lord and we do his work in the world. Amen? So your ministry may not be in a church. It may be in a medical clinic or classroom or business office or a grocery store or a movie studio or a law firm or someplace else. God has given each and every one of you gifts and talents and abilities that will benefit the life of the church and this congregation for sure and the world in which we live. So I don't know what your individual experiences in ministry or in life are at the present time, but I do know that we all encounter challenges as we seek to fulfill God's calling on our lives. Amen? The Apostle Paul himself, he's the great apostle, right? He, he wrote uh, much of the, the New Testament, but he was in custody as he composed the words of the epistle to the Philippians. Yet his focus remained on the Lord. Sometimes we forget that. We forget the context in which uh, uh, these uh, epistles were written. 
but Paul was in custody. Uh, this is one of the so-called prison epistles. So he's not just sitting in an ivory tower somewhere pontificating and philosophizing, right? Uh, th this is very real to him. As he's sitting in a prison, probably not um, too much longer before he uh, was, was executed at Nero's chopping block, he's keeping his focus on the Lord. And think about it. Philippians itself, is, you know, the, the word joy is probably the word that appears most in that book. And so he's focusing on the Lord and he's deriving the joy that comes from the Lord's presence. But regardless of what personal roadblocks we may be currently facing, our focus on the Lord will allow us to experience his grace and power in life and then also to respond to others with love and kindness and compassion as we serve them. Amen? So God is working something in us, and uh, as we keep our focus on him, he makes us more and more like himself. He pours out his love, his patience, the fruit of the Spirit, pours all of that into us, sanctifies us, makes us more holy, and then he makes us more appealing to others. Amen? And, and, and so all of this will happen as we keep our focus on the Lord. And my, my prayer for you is that God will enable you to keep your focus on him. That is the only way to face the challenges of life and ultimately to win the race and gain the prize. Amen? So the Christian race requires focus, point one. Secondly, the race requires forgetting the past, forgetting the past, or in some translations, forgetting what is behind, right? The past or what is behind is that part of the race that has been completed so far. Now, Paul could mean his past life before Christ or possibly his past experiences as a Christian. In either case, Paul cannot live or dwell in the past. He must press forward. He cannot allow past failures to hold him back, but neither can he become too smug about his accomplishments in the present. The apostle must keep his focus on Christ and where God is taking him. Amen? Paul's declarations remind us that the Christian walk is a dynamic dynamic walk, amen? It's always moving. We are ever learning and ever growing and ever moving forward in life. We cannot allow ourselves to dwell in the past. We've made mistakes in the past. All of us have. But if we've made mistakes in the past, then we must repent. Repent of our sins, obviously learn from our mistakes, and keep moving forward in the Lord's strength. Amen? Now, the Bible's full of examples of flawed individuals who nevertheless were used by God. Noah was a drunkard, but God used him as an instrument of deliverance and salvation when he built the ark. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver but he became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Rahab was a prostitute, 
or I like to say a social worker. <laughs> but she became a woman of faith and an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's awesome to me. David had an affair with Bathsheba, but he was called a man after God's own heart. He was quick to repent. He had a humble heart. That's what God can work with. He, certainly, David was a flawed man, but he was also a humble man. And so God can work with someone whose heart is humble. Jonah ran away from God, but his words inspired Nineveh to repent. Elijah was a coward, but he was used mightily by God to perform great and mighty miracles. Paul himself had persecuted Christians, but became a great apostle to the Gentiles, perhaps the greatest of the apostles. Maybe you too have had a sordid or unsavory past, but God is the master potter who loves, heals, and reshapes broken people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you're being weighed down by past sins and mistakes, then the key to your freedom is repentance. The word metanoia, how many of you have heard that Greek term before, metanoia? Well, the word metanoia, which is translated repentance in the New Testament, literally means a change of mind, a change of mind. So biblical repentance is a radical change in thinking or a transformation of the heart and mind that ultimately affects someone's actions. So to repent then is to turn away from sin and to turn to God, to turn away from sin and to turn to God. Repentance is to agree with God that evil deeds were indeed wrong and that a person now desires for God to transform his or her life. Repentance involves more than simply saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes people are sorry because they got caught doing wrong, or sorry that they are now suffering the consequences of their evil deeds, rather than sorry over the wickedness of their actions. We see that all the time, right? Um, some businessman or um, uh, movie star or, or something. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you're sorry you got caught. <laughs> you're sorry that the heat has been turned up, right? But uh, without a change of heart, and I'm sorry is not repentance. According to 2 Corinthians 7.10, 2 Corinthians 7.10, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. If you need to experience the power of repentance, you can do so this morning. I encourage you to ask God to forgive your sins and to wash your sins away with the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Christ wants to rescue you from the bondage of sin. He wants to free you from the hostility that has arrested your thinking and expressed itself in your actions. He wants for you to commit yourself totally to his lordship so that you can be truly free. So your freedom from a sordid past can happen right now. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, if on the other hand you have experienced great successes in the past, then God still has much more for you to do. You can celebrate what he has done for you in the past while looking forward to what he's going to do through you in the future. No matter how successful you have been in the past, each day presents a new opportunity for you to commit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. The Lord deserves your worship and your praise, your reverence, your love, your dedication, and your complete surrender to him. Your commitment to Jesus Christ must express itself in your day-to-day living, and it should be obvious to the world around you who is the supreme Lord over your life. Amen? As we press forward and press toward the goal in 2018, let us do so with renewed hearts of commitment to Christ. I'm excited about what the future holds for all of you and your families here at Joy Christian Center. God's not through blessing you. He's not through shaping you. He's not through using you and promoting you to bigger and better things. You may have had a rocky road up until this point in your life, or maybe everything has been just fine. In either case, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the best is yet to come. God is not through with us. We are not defined by by where we have been, right, but where we are going. That's what defines us. Therefore, we must forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. So the race requires focus and the race requires forgetting the past. Paul's third and final point is that the race requires forging ahead in the strength that the Lord provides. In verse 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The prize is a heavenly prize. The direction of the prize is upward. The prize is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As the apostle says in Philippians 3.8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. These are strong words from the Apostle Paul. For him, the Lord Jesus Christ was central to everything that he did and everything that he hoped to accomplish. If we desire to represent our Lord with humility, compassion, and integrity, then we too must continue to keep him as the centerpiece of our existence, as the central aspect of our lives. 
want to encourage you all at the beginning of 2018 to renew your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and to move forward into the great things that God has for your future. Like, like Paul, you will need to pursue with passion the heavenly prize, but it will be a life journey that will yield an eternal reward of joy and peace and happiness in the presence of the triune God forever. My pastor, Bishop Charles Blake, likes to say, I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. You look good now, but in the future you look even better. Amen? I thank God for his grace and for the eternal life that he offers to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a glorious future that awaits us free from the trials and hardships of this life. If I had to choose an alternate title for this message, it would be Pressing Toward a Blessing. The blessing is not a new house or car or a better job or something material. The blessing is Christ himself. If we have Christ in our lives, then we have everything that we truly need. Even though we look forward to receiving a heavenly prize in the future, we can rejoice before that glorious day because the Lord is with us now. Think about that. The Lord is with us now. The Lord is here now to sustain us. His strength is available to us right now. He is a very present help in times of trouble, as Psalm 46 and 1 reminds us. God does not leave us during difficult times. You may not have a senior pastor now, but the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he is with you now. I love the promise found in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God gives wisdom when we ask for it in faith. And anything else that we need is also available to us. God has given us his word. God has given us his son. He has given us the Holy Spirit who indwells us individually and corporately. We have the wonderful fellowship and support of our fellow believers in Christ. I mean, what more could we ask for? God's given us so much. Amen? He's on our side, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all part of one divine and holy family. We have everything that we need to finish the race and to win the prize. So I encourage you to avail yourself of God's great resources. Let 2018 be a year of new beginnings for you. Press toward the heavenly goal of which Paul speaks. Pursue the Lord with passion and intensity. The rewards will be well worth it, I promise. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a clap offering.
like to offer you some spiritual advice uh, for the new year. This advice will help you as you continue to press toward the goal and to receive your heavenly prize. First, and these are just suggestions, and you can probably come up with your own, but when you wake up in the morning, commit the day to the Lord in prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, please help me to do your will today. Help me to become the kind of person that you desire for me to be. I love the words of Psalm 37 and 23. The steps of a good man or the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord, and the Lord delights in that person's way. Or we probably all can quote from memory Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths or he shall make our paths straight. Those are promises that God gives to us that if we will put him first, go to him, seek him for wisdom, just call out to him. He will order our steps and direct our pathways. That's a promise that he gives to us. So it's a promise that I, um, that I appropriate for myself on a daily basis, right? You know, some of the things we pray about are silly. Um, and, and God's not going to uh, always uh, uh, even acknowledge uh, the things that we ask him that are silly, right? Um, <clears throat> no good parent would give a child everything that the child wants. Some of the things are foolish, right? But wisdom and direction and guidance are things that we can always go to God and expect to receive from him. So um, each day, wake up in the morning, commit the day to the Lord in prayer, and then ask him for wisdom would be the, the second um, suggestion. Wisdom really is the ability to see situations clearly and to make the right decisions. That's really what wisdom um, is. And if we, if we lack it, as I said, we can go to the Lord in prayer. Third, before you engage in any activity, honestly ask yourself, will God be pleased by what I'm about to do? And take a moment, you know, and ask that. If the answer is yes, that God would be pleased, then you may proceed. <laughs> If you don't know whether or not God will be pleased, then go back to step two and ask him for wisdom. <laughs> and certainly if the answer is no, then you must change your thinking and actions to conform to what pleases the Lord. Amen? God's way is always best. Sometimes we think God's kind of holding out on us or, or, or something of that nature. We have these kind of suspicions of God, you know, that he doesn't want uh, what's best or doesn't want us to have fun or that type of thing. But this is something that you can take to the bank. Whatever God does will be the thing that brings him the greatest glory and you the greatest benefit. Whatever God does will bring him the greatest glory and you the greatest benefit. And so if God's answer is no, then you should be shouting and saying hallelujah because <laughs> that's the best thing for you. I, I praise God that he said no to some things that I were seeking after. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. So we got to trust in him. Amen. Doing things God's way will prevent a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. Fourth, I, I recommend that you begin to keep a journal. Some of you uh, may do that already. Uh, does anyone keep a journal, a prayer journal? Yeah, several of you do that. Uh, I recommend that you begin to keep a journal in which to place personal thoughts and answers to prayer or whatever you like. Uh, I find that journalizing helps me to reflect on how good ha God has been to me in the past. Because it's easy to kind of become overwhelmed by a particular situation, and that's all you see. That's, that's all that you can see, the, 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 the enormity of the problem. But if you have a journal, if you've written down kind of uh, what God has been revealing to you through his word or in your worship time, uh, then that kind of redirects your focus off of the problem back onto God's goodness and grace. And, and I find that it also um, puts me in a space where I can receive God's wisdom more clearly. And so that's why I recommend the journal. You may not write in it every day, uh, but I recommend that you do it um, on a regular uh, basis. Amen? Fifthly, uh, it's important that you continue to fellowship with other Christians, other believers, your church family. When we fellowship with other Christians, we can learn from one another, as I'm sure you're learning uh, in this family context. We can encourage one another. Much encouragement has already taken place uh, on today. We can strengthen one another. There have been many times in my life when Christian friends and, and loved ones and, and, and others in the church have helped me to walk through difficult times and situations. And then other times when I was able to help them to uh, endure um, various uh, times of uh, stress and pain in their lives. And also Christian accountability um, is, is, is important. It's healthy, right? Um, we're less likely to get into trouble <laughs> if we have other people in our lives helping us to do the right things. Amen? And so fellowship, so important. Uh, it's not just you and God. You're not just off in a corner somewhere. It's just you and God. No, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ to keep you grounded. Uh, so important. Um, because a lot of times we, we're, we're easily prone to self-deception when we uh, are isolated. Um, you know, our emotions get out of whack. Um, our thinking gets out of control. Uh, we even, you know, begin to attribute to God our own thinking and our own mental processes. Oh, yeah, God, is that's how cults are started, right? No, you need to be in a solid, word-based, loving atmosphere of believers who will help to keep you grounded, and you'll be able to keep others grounded as well. And then finally, I just urge you uh, to study your Bible daily. Uh, it's so important. I, I've alluded to that uh, several times uh, this morning. But just as natural food is important um, to provide nourishment to our physical bodies, the Word of God provides essential nourishment to our minds and our spirits. The wisdom and power of the Word of God will enable you to face whatever it is that, that comes your way in life and to win life's toughest battles. And so those are just some uh, uh, practical uh, suggestions. You know, when we get to the beginning of a, of a year, we always begin to think of ways in, in which we can improve our lives uh, for that year. 
well, I just want to improve your spiritual life just by reminding you of the basics, right? But the basics are where the battle is won. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's through mastery of the, the basics that you will be able to uh, experience victory and to press toward the goal and to finish the race. Amen? Um, I want to invite you to visit my website. It's just my name, wilfredgraves.org. I have a lot of uh, teachings and uh, daily devotions and other encouraging uh, materials uh, for you. Well, God bless you. Let's, uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have had to hear the preaching of your word. We pray, dear God, that um, you have given us ears to hear uh, the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, a special blessing on this church family. Dear God, you are with them in every way. You love them. I ask, dear God, that you would also honor the love that exists among them here. Honor this loving family. Honor the compassion that they have and the love that they have for each other. Honor their commitment to you. Dear God, they're gathered here without a senior pastor, but they're here to worship you, oh God. Honor their faith on today and increase their faith. Dear God, you know what is needed by each and, uh, by each and every one of us, Lord. You, you know what we need. You, 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 you have what we need. You are what we need. So I ask, dear God, that whatever the needs may be, that you would provide for us out of your rich abundance of blessings in Christ. Extend your hand of grace to us, dear God, to save and to heal. You're greater than cancer and you're greater than high blood pressure and diabetes. You're greater than these things. You're greater than financial lack. You're greater, dear God, than um, all of the dangers that exist in the world today. We ask, dear God, that your grace would be poured out among us. We ask, dear God, that your salvation would be poured out in the earth. We pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified in our midst and that you would enable us, O oh God, to keep our focus on him. We're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Christ, you are the source and the content of what we believe. You are supreme in our lives and we just ask you to occupy the throne of our lives. Give us wisdom to face whatever challenges um, that uh, come our way. Show us, dear God. Um, we have the mind of Christ. We claim the mind of Christ. Reveal to us your will and your way and, Lord, uh, your method of doing things. Show us these things, dear God. We humble ourselves before you. We thank you, dear God, for what you're doing. We say amen to what you're doing in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear God, we ask that you would wash us in the blood of Jesus, cleanse us from unrighteousness. If there was someone who resonated with that part of the sermon, dear God, where they've been sort of overwhelmed by past sins and, and uh, wrong deeds of the past, dear God, 
Help us to realize, O Christ, that you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. Help us to realize, O Christ, that you took our sins and our misdeeds and our sicknesses and our diseases and everything else that comes from sin. You took those upon your body. And we are in you, O Christ. So we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So, dear God, we accept this. We accept what your son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And we leave that negativity in the past. You have forgiven us. You have cleansed us. And so from this day forward, oh God, we walk in newness of life. We keep our focus on Christ and that wonderful victory that exists for us in the future. We thank you for the joy that comes from your presence today. And we pray, dear God, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.